Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again today on the program. And uh, man, I trust that you've been tuning in uh, throughout this series. It has went way longer than I thought, but we have really been blessed to be able to do this. I, I really believe I was born to do this. I really believe that God spoke to me many, many years ago, that he would use me to say some things about the book of Revelation that would help shift the thinking of the church into a much more victorious eschatology, if you will. Uh, I preach a great big God, a wee little defeated devil, and a dead old man. And it's amazing to me uh, how some folks are not happy about that. Uh, but I want us to take a look. We're coming back to the book of Revelation again today. But before I do, let me just say to you again, if you have missed any of the programs, we have aired somewhere near, uh, I think, 90-some programs on the book of Revelation. You can go to YouTube, and we have a playlist that has just, well, it has everything we've aired to date there, but there's a playlist just for the book of Revelation. You are welcome to go back and view them at any time. Uh, people are, are actually pulling these down now to use them in their uh, midweek service to teach uh, on Revelation, have conversation about it. And, uh, you know, there's nobody, let me just say this to you, there's nobody that I know of anywhere that understands everything there is about the book of Revelation. I've been teaching this book for years, and if you go back and you get the stuff that I've taught over the years, you can see how we have added to, we've grown, and we've had pieces that are added. So there's going to be variation, uh, perhaps, in little details of some of this, even among groups that believe like we do. But the main thrust, I believe, is there. And that is that this book of Revelation is a wonderful book, and it's promised to whoever reads and understands it, it's promised to be a blessing. Uh, the way I was always taught the book of Revelation, it was not a blessing to read it. It was always scary and full of catastrophe. And if you have friends that are scared to death about the book of Revelation, I challenge you to let them go back and listen to some of the things that we are sharing, because what we're sharing with you is that this catastrophes in the book of Revelation mostly are not coming judgments, but they are stuff that was fulfilled in the first century to a first century church because there's always time-relevant statements that these things are about to shortly come to pass, he says in the book of Revelation. They which pierce me will look upon me. Don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is at hand. They are time uh, imminent scriptures that keep you, if you're going to stay consistent with what the Bible says, it tells you these things were about to shortly come to pass, and all of that fits into that uh, first century church and the church uh, transitioning from an old covenant to a new covenant. And I believe if we, if we haven't made clear within the last 90-some weeks that the end of the world is not the end of a global situation, it was the end of an age. That's the Greek word for it, eon. The end of the age was not the end of this age because the Apostle Paul says that the age we are living in is a world or an eon or an age without end. Therefore, we are getting further and further away from the end. When I see people say the end is near, uh, my response to that is no, the end is actually getting further and further away. And that ought to be good news to somebody out there. And uh, you could go back and see why we believe that by watching some of the other things. Now, I'm going to go into the 16th chapter of the book of Revelation today and share with you, I'm going to begin to unpack some things about the seven last plagues. Verse number one says, I heard a great voice out of, out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your way and pour out your vials of wrath of God upon the earth. 
And the first wind had poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men, which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the, of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out, I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God, almighty, true, and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat, blasphemed the name of God, which hath, which, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments. Lest he walk naked, they see his shame. And he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake, and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Now I'm going to go back, I wanted to read that whole chapter first. And I wanted to then go back and kind of do this verse by verse and kind of unpack it and help you, uh, not maybe to be real lengthy on each one of these, but just to show you their fulfillment. First of all, the first usage of this word vial, where they got ready to pour out their vial into the air, is in the fifth chapter of Revelation. In verse number eight, it says this, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, every one of them Harps, every one of them, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers, watch this, which are the prayers of the saints. Therefore the continuing pouring out of the trumpet and vow judgments are the result of the prayers of the martyrs. Earlier in uh, the chapters, I think somewhere around chapter, I believe it is, uh, uh, eight and nine, somewhere there, uh, they, they are crying out, the prayers of the martyrs are crying out, how long till thou dost avenge us? So these prayers were being prayed by these martyrs saying, how, Lord, how long, Lord, do thou dost avenge us? And then uh, they were souls under the altar at crying, how long, Lord? They were the souls of the martyrs saying, uh, how long, Lord, till thou dost avenge us? Uh, 
And so it says, remember that when the trumpets were about to sound, there was a coal taken from off the altar and cast into the earth. The, that coal was the prayers of these martyrs. Also, please note that all of these judgments are fulfilled, are in the fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 23, when he said that upon this generation, right there, alive and well, his contemporaries during that period of time would come all the blood of all the martyrs that were slain from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias. And so all of these judgments are about to come as a result. These vials are about to be poured out. This wrath is about to be poured out in response even to what God said uh, through Jesus in one of the parables when he gave the parable of the vineyard and he said it was let out to husbandmen, and then that God had planted this vineyard, he let it out to husbandmen, and then he would send his servants to see how the vineyard was going. And some of them they uh, beat, others they stoned, others they imprisoned. Jesus gives this parable when he says, but last but not least, he'll send the son of the owner of the vineyard, and surely they'll receive him. But uh, lo and behold, they don't receive him. They kill the owner of the vineyard, and they misuse him. He said, what do you think is going to happen to those wicked husbandmen? Well, he said he's going to burn their cities, and he's going to bring judgment upon them. That's exactly what is happening in the pouring out of these vials of blood, is that they are the vengeance of God that's being poured out upon that generation. Now, let me read this to you from Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 is also, uh, the, you know, what we see in Matthew 24 of the Olivet Discourse. This is Luke's version of this. And I want to read just a few verses from Luke 21, verse 20. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Now that happened in the siege of Jerusalem from uh, around 65, 66 AD. Uh, it was encompassed with armies in fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus said would happen to that generation. He said, Then let him which are in Judea flee into the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein. In other words, it's time to get out of this city that's about to fall. And for some unknown reason, the Roman general backed up. Many of the people fled to Pella, which could literally be in fulfillment of what I shared with you in a prior segment of how God delivered the children of Israel when they crossed the Red Sea and came into uh, the wilderness, there was a lot of them that went into the wilderness and God delivered the children of Israel under Moses during that period of time. And this period of time, once again, these plagues are not being poured out on the believers because they heeded the words of Jesus. And there was, I, I, I don't think there was hardly any believers that were killed who understood the prophecy of Jesus because they knew that whenever the Jerusalem was encompassed with armies, it was time for them to get out of Dodge, so to speak. And so they fled into places like Pella and other cities and fled into the wilderness. And then he goes on to say, now this is what I want you to see. Let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and, not let, them, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. Watch this. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. In other words, he said, when you see Jerusalem, this is not in your future. This already occurred. This ought to be wonderful news to people who've been scared to death 
over a whole lot of the last day's madness that recently has been. And probably, if you're seeing these programs, they are airing beyond September where a whole bunch of stuff was supposed to fall apart. And so, you know, if you're watching this, there's a pretty good chance that they kind of missed it. So what I'm trying to get you to see is that it's not about coming catastrophes. There, there may be wars in the future. We may even have wars. We already had them in Iraq, Iran. There might be wars, but these are not the ones that the Bible is talking about. There's been wars for 2,000 years. And until a gospel of peace comes on the scene and the kingdom of God begins to really make a difference, we're going to continue to see things like that. But see, we believe the kingdom of God is to ever increase until the kingdom of God uh, ultimately, uh, you know, it, it, until it's like leaven that, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole thing was leaven. We believe the kingdom of God is, is what was prophesied in the scripture. For unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born, or unto us a, a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name will be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, and of the increase, of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. So that tells me that it's an ever-increasing kingdom, and our mission, our mission, ladies and gentlemen, is not to plan for evacuation, but to be the salt and the light and the influence in the world. If you think it's getting worse out there and darker, it's because the church has been rocked to sleep with theologies that have made them lose their influence in politics, in entertainment, in, in financing. The kingdom of God must invade every area of our life. God wants to see his kingdom invade our families, our lives, our businesses, our governments, our entertainment industry, until the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's our mission, is to continue to carry the gospel of the kingdom. That's why in the beginning of this program, we asked you for your help. It's because you need to get behind something that's big enough that's really going to make a difference. I mean, I think, listen, I believe the gospel really works. And I believe we can make a difference if we'll preach it. These things that, uh, that he said, again, let me just read again. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, unto them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people, specifically the people of Israel who had rejected their Messiah. Now, let me say to you, there's probably someone watching me. I can remember when I sat under the old teachings that I used to, where I was constantly in fear of being left behind. And, I, you know, I had someone recently tell me the only reason they only had one child was because of this scripture and the stuff that was being preached about fear. And so that, that child, by the way, that this woman told me that she had, is in his 50s now. And she said, you know what? That teaching robbed me of a family. I want to say to you, if you're out there watching me today, and you're a mother, and you've been watching all the fierce stuff, and you're pregnant, or you think the end is near, and all of a sudden you're about to have a baby, listen, I want you to have some peace. I want you to have some rest. He's not talking up to you, nor to this generation. He was talking to that generation alive and well. When Jesus gave this prophecy, he was talking about, listen, when this Jerusalem is sieged, it is better for you if you're not with child. It's better if this doesn't happen in the wintertime. It's better if this don't happen during this season. Because, you know, a lot of times I, I used to hear people teach the fear of, well, bless God, if you have a baby, woe to you who are with a child. Because when they give the mark of the beast, 
least you won't be able to buy milk for the babies. Well, first of all, uh, if, uh, you know, if, 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 if the way they teach it's right, there shouldn't be any babies here to start out with. I would think they would be innocent enough to have been raptured with them. But this is not talking about some, some future event. It was talking about what was occurring during this period of time. As a matter of fact, any kind of scripture taking out of context can really be devastating. You could go back and look at the writings of the Apostle Paul as he is ratcheting up the time period coming nearer and nearer. Uh, and, you know, they're in this transition from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D., and that's the biblical last days. And he's saying to them, if you're not married, don't get married because the time is near. Let me tell you something. If we had believed that for the last 2,000 years, we wouldn't have a population today unless everybody was in fornication. And uh, so what you've got to do is realize the time relevance of these scriptures because some of this stuff only makes sense. Where, where a lot of our theological problems are at with wrath, where a lot of our theological problems in understanding God is that we don't understand covenantal theology. We don't understand that, uh, you know, there was covenants that God made with Abraham and he acted a certain way to Abraham because of the kind of a covenant he had. Uh, and the, the, the main one that most of us know is the Mosaic Covenant, which was a two-sided covenant. God said, you know, I will if you will. And so there was a response that was, you know, uh, if you obey all the words of this command, you do all these things, you know, then these blessings are going to come upon you. If you don't, here's the curses. And the people with one voice said amen. I mean, they literally declared the amen over the curses of God. And so even at that, God's plan was redemptive. He offered them a spotless lamb. He offered them Jesus. He was offering them redemption, not just from sin, but to save us, Romans 5 says, from wrath. Uh, Isaiah 53 said he was wounded for our transgression. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was bruised. But if you don't receive that by faith, uh, this people were rejecting their Messiah, and as a result, God had given them time and time and time again opportunity to repent. And even Matthew 23, before Jesus prophesies all these woes, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and you that kill the prophets and stone them that are sent to you, how oft I would have gathered you under my feathers as a hen doth gather her chicks, but you would not. Therefore, your house is left to you desolate. In other words, Jesus said, I wanted to gather you under my feathers. The only place God got feathers that I could see in the scripture is under the wings of the cherubim on the mercy seat. In other words, God is saying, I wanted to give you mercy, but you would not. I have absolutely, I mean, Jesus, I believe, was broken in that they kept on he, every opportunity to repent. As a matter of fact, according to the prophecy of Daniel, he said 70 weeks or 490 years were determined. God gave them over and over and over opportunity for repentance, and now the days of vengeance were upon them, and a revelation of the plagues God had promised was coming upon them. So I just wanted to, 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 to uh, you know, help somebody that's listening there that maybe, you, maybe you're with child. This is not talking about you, but I'm going to read it again. But woe unto them that are with child, unto them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. It's specific to that Jewish people. And then he said, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem, watch this, 
and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The times of the Gentiles was the times that God had put into the hands of the Gentiles to tread underfoot the holy city, which was 42 months. And if you go back to the book of Daniel, he tells you that there was the, that the beast would overcome the saints and that they would, uh, uh, they would wear out the saints until a time, times and a half a times. That was the times of the Gentiles. And, the, until it, uh, uh, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things shall begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Now cloud comings, once again, to the mind of the first century believer, was not a new paradigm because every time God would use an enemy army, and I should have probably written down a bunch of these scriptures, but every time God would come against Israel, he would use this same kind of imagery. Behold, the Lord cometh with clouds. He makes the, the darkness his secret place. He rides upon the wings of the wind. Uh, uh, he, uh, you know, the clouds uh, 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 bellow out his glory. And all through the scripture, uh, we could go back and show. I don't, I don't have them in my notes today. But a cloud coming was not a new paradigm to the mind of the first century Jew because they were used to uh, that being the imagery literally of a... Um, of a, uh, a, 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 of a judgment upon a nation. And I'm going to read to you from uh, Deuteronomy in just a little bit, but uh, let, me, let me go over there and read that. I think I've got enough time. In Deuteronomy, let me just go back and show you that these are the curses that God told them. In other words, they did not keep their end of the covenant bargain. Therefore, God was about to release upon them everything that he promised them under the book of Deuteronomy. And we're going to, for the first 15 verses, it talks about the blessings. But as we get down into verse 15, it says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, cursed shalt thou be in the field, cursed shall be thy basket and thy store, cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do until thou be destroyed, until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with consumption, with a fever, and with an inflammation, and an extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee, pursue thee until thou perish. And thy heaven that is over the, thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust from heaven shall it come upon thee until thou be destroyed. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them, and thou shalt be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. 
and thy carcass shall be meat under the fowls of the air, under the beast of the earth, and no man shall fray them away. When you see later in the book of Revelation, come gather yourself to the supper of the great God, where you will eat the flesh of kings and captains and of mighty men. I submit to you that the emblem that was over the Roman soldier was that of a vulture or an eagle, and it was literally them devouring the flesh of the enemies of God. You became, they became literally uh, the, uh, the, the fulfillment of the, thy carcass shall be meat under the fowls of the air and under the beast of the earth, and even literally... And uh, I mean, even not just with the Romans, but physical birds ate their carcasses. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt, with the emrods, with the scab, with the itch, whereof thou canst not be healed. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart, and thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. Thou shalt betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. Uh, thou shalt plant a vineyard, shalt not gather the grapes thereof. Thine ox shall be slain before thine eyes. Thou shalt not eat thereof. Thine ass shall be violently taken away from before thy face, and shall not be restored to thee. Thy sheep shall be given unto thine enemies, and thou shalt have none to rescue them. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people, and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no might in thine hand. The fruit of thy land and all thy labor shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up, and thou shalt be only oppressed and crushed alway, so that thou shalt be mad for the sight of thine eye which thou shalt see. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot on the top of thy head. The Lord shall bring thee and thy king which thou shalt set over thee unto a nation which neither know thou nor thy fathers have known, and there shalt thou serve other gods, wood and stone. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations, whither the Lord shall lead thee. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field and shalt gather it but little, for the locust shall consume it. Can you see that many of these plagues in the book of Revelation have to do with scorching, with darkness, with plagues, with locusts? I mean, uh, if you can see that this is the fulfillment of my, I don't know. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them, but shalt neither drink the wine there, nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coast, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with oil, for thine olive shall cast its fruit. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go in captivity. All the trees of the fruit of thy land shall locusts consume. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. Uh, he shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed because thou hearkenest not to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commands thee and they shall be upon thee for a sign and a wonder and upon thy seed forever. See these are signs in the heavens and these things that were signs in the heavens are the fulfillment of God saying they shall be a sign and a wonder to you that you ought to know that this is God keeping his end of the covenant bargain because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and thirst nakedness and one of all things, and shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from afar and into the earth as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. It, I'm just about to run out of time, but you get the point. These plagues that are being poured out are in response to God keeping his end of the covenant bargain, and he tried his best to give them mercy, but they would not. We're out of time. Take a moment to call that number on the screen. Sow a seed into the ministry and help us to continue to take this kind of a gospel around the world. God bless you. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, 
This book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.